0: Digital CXO Leadership Insight series video. I'm your host Mike Bazard. Today we're talking with Drayton Wade who is Head of Product Strategy and Business Ops for a startup called Cognito and so we're talking about AI in the enterprise, especially this whole new generative AI platform that everybody's talking about. Unless you've been under a rock, you probably heard about Chat GPT somewhere, but there's other ways of thinking about this stuff. Drayton, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Mike. Thanks so much.
0: So walk us through it a little bit. I know you guys are investing in this space, but um, it seems like there's multiple platforms out there that are tuned for different use cases, and you guys are one of them. So um, explain where you fit in the...
1: um,
0: AI landscape these days as it is, continues to rapidly evolve.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of different applications, I think, of this core technology called large language models, which are coming online. So the most familiar to most people would be GPT-3, and then GPT, which is a more user-friendly version of GPT-3. And then recently we heard about BARD uh, coming online from Google, and we can expect or Meta and, you know, even Baidu and Tencent and a lot of others to release their own large language models. Um, what you have is you, with large language models, you have the ability to translate English into action at the end of the day, English into different generative action and creativity uh, that you may want to do. So you've seen that with like Dolly 2 where people can say what they uh, want to create an art and the artificial intelligence will create a uh, different art based on that. There are some around this one called Jukebox that helps create actually uh, music. A very famous one is um, Copilot um, by uh, GitHub, which helps to create and generate a lot of the baseline code that would go into products. And so we've taken it uh, a slightly different step where we have made generative AI for automation. So the automation space has traditionally been plagued by having to have really, really trained people to help automate business processes processes like claims or uh, uploading purchase orders that the manual day-to-day things that people hate to do, don't do, or forget to do quite often. Uh, and so we've made it to where now by building on our own large language models, and then also leveraging technology like uh, GPT-3 uh, and other uh, generative AI, we've made it to where business users can say what they wish to do, what they want to have automated in their work, And our tool translates that into automation that then runs and automates that work away.
0: So explain an example of how somebody is using that within the context of a business process. Is somebody just walking in and saying, "Um, I need to fill out my HR forms and then this all gets generated? Or what does that look like?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So most businesses start with their high volume highly repetitive processes because those tend to have the highest ROI. So a great example of this is we have uh, a trucking company uh, down in the southeast where they get these bills of lading, which have all the things that are listed on a uh, particular truck that's coming in. And previously, they were having to look at those and then manually type that information into uh, an ERP system at the end of the day. You can imagine with humans, we're not really good at this. We tend to make a lot of errors. And so instead, they have automated that entire process with us, which basically has allowed them to reallocate half of that staff to other more meaningful activities. And it's reduced their error rate um, by over 80%. So we see a lot in finance and accounting starting off, accounts receivable, accounts payable, a lot within HR. Um, And then we're increasingly seeing quite a lot within uh, supply chain, which has a lot of documentation, a lot of data moving from different systems and things that should be automated at the end of the day.
0: We heard a lot about this kind of automation within the context of things that people call robotic process automation platforms. Is this kind of the next iteration of that? Are we kind of moving the ball forward in a way that may be uh, simpler and easier and possibly even more effective?
1: Absolutely. So uh, we actually have several people on our team that come from the RPA space, myself included. I was previously at UiPath in the early stages through uh, their IPO, leading their strategic partners team. And RPA, that version of RPA is a great tool for processes that are very standard, that don't tend to change very much, and that don't have a lot of what's called exceptions, which is a very common um, phrase within process improvement, things like that. So RPA requires developers. Basically, a business user has to tell a developer what they want to do. The developer goes in and builds like a flow chart based on that. And then the bot essentially runs that flow chart across different processes. There's a few challenges with that, though. And that's why we actually created Cognitos as well. One, and this I saw all the time, is what I just mentioned. It requires developers. There are very few actual developers in the world relative to the number of business processes we have. So there's always a huge bottleneck where you would have to train these developers to be able to automate anything, which makes it very expensive. The second issue is anytime a process changes, RPA doesn't handle it very well. Instead, tools that are built on AI, like Cognitos, they actually can be taught and can learn to handle those different changes. So what we've done is we've made automation all in English to where a business user is now the person in control. They can build the automation, they can manage and handle any changes or exceptions, uh, and they can go back and always see exactly what the AI has done. So it's not a black box where they don't really know what's going on. And that fundamentally changes the cost of automation, the accessibility uh, for all users.
0: As we think that through, in my experience, there are processes that are very structured, but there are more processes where there are more exceptions than rules. So how does the platform know or understand when there has been another exception added to a process and how does it learn? I mean, do I essentially prompt it by showing it what that new process looks like? How will it actually kind of figure out what's going on?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and actually, your question comes to something that's even more core that people should be asking. So, if you look at computer science traditionally, we have taken we as humans have taken the approach of building machines, and then we ask people to learn how to communicate with those machines and to how to engage with those machines. At Cognitos, we're kind of flipping that around. We're saying that machines should know how to operate and work the way that people work. So to take your example or your question around exceptions, if I was working with a uh, intern and I asked them to do a process, I told them, hey, I want you to go get these documents, find this information and then put it into some system. If they had a hard time finding that info, they would just come back and ask me a question and then I would give them an answer or I would tell them how to go solve that problem. All this takes place in English. That's the way we as people operate uh, with each other. Our systems is designed the same way. So with generative AI, whenever the automation hits a problem, it actually will create a sentence on its own asking, say, hey, I can't find the supplier number. It'll ask that back to the human. And then the human can actually tell it how to find that information in English and teach it. So then it then remembers that in the future. So imagine you have a document. Best, that trucker example I had earlier, has a supplier number, and then right under that is the trailer number. For an intern, I could just tell the intern, oh, the supplier number is always right above the trailer number for this vendor. And we've made it the same way with Cognitos. You can tell the English logic like that, that it then stores and then can use in the future. So it's able to have what's called learnings the same way that a person would learn how to handle a particular process. This makes it really durable and really easy to add all those exceptions. As you're right, a lot of processes change a lot and they have a whole lot of exceptions in today's business environment.
0: A lot of those processes are designed by people and people are flawed. So can the machine figure out some of our processes are inefficient and make some recommendations?
1: 100%. And that's that's really the vision for Cognitos is not only did it provide on-demand labor, which is basically what automation is but also to provide on-demand insights at the end of the day to where a person can go back. And because we're taking those processes and logging them all in English, the person can query and actually find where those issues are. So I'll give you another example, we were on site last week in the RV capital of the world, Elkhart, Indiana, which uh, I'd never been to before, but we were working with one of our customers who is a RV supplier. and. They're constantly thinking process improvement, right? Manufacturing, lean manufacturing, how do we streamline things? And what they found is because now in their AP and AR process, everything is in English, their AP people can go in and see when the exceptions are happening very frequently and say, "Hmm, we probably should just redesign that. Even though Cognitos can handle the exceptions and do it fine, it would be better if we just redesign that process to make it more efficient and streamline it moving forward. So now you don't have to hire armies of consultants to go back and try to map your processes and do all this because it's operating the way a human performs it. You have basically a record of how work is actually happening in your business. And then you can query and find those inefficiencies um, all in English to where anyone can understand it.
0: As we think this through a little bit, we've been watching this low code, no code movement where we have been trying to encourage citizen integrators and developers to kind of create some of these workflows themselves and they had to learn a tool and basically uh, start to think like a developer. If I understood what you just said, perhaps I don't need to do that anymore because I can use a platform that will just in plain English, allow me to describe what it is I need to have done and things will magically happen.
1: You're you're spot on. And this was a challenge that, that I saw on some of our other team members that previously came from RPA. I was at RPA company for a long time, which is a, uh, not no code, but a low code technology. It's definitely easier than Python. And even at the end, even though it's a great you know, company and good tech, I couldn't really build my own processes. And one of the problems is what you just mentioned. We're trying to force people to think like developers and to think like machines. It should be the other way around. Machine. We build machines to serve us, to help us be more productive. If I have to learn how to operate like a machine, that actually doesn't make me more productive. And in fact, economists have shown that's had a big effect on productivity flatlining over time because we're trying to teach people to operate like machines. And they just end up typing more things all day. Instead, we're operating the way people operate. We're intentionally thinking through the psychology of how people work and designing our product around that to where people just use Cognitos the way they would interact with another human. So that's conversational. Work is conversational, either through email or through talking to people. We think in conversation. We think in sentences. And that's how we've made Cognitos, to where it operates just the way people think. So that people should not have to, quote-unquote, learn how to use an automation technology. It should operate the way that they operate
0: what will happen to the legions of IT people that we have hired and rely on today as interfaces to the machines? So how will those roles evolve in your opinion?
1: Yeah, and this this question goes, I think, even more, not just into automation, but broader generative AI. So we're starting to see generative AI, not Cognitos, but other tools that can create user interfaces by you telling it what you want to see. And based on all the examples that's seen on the internet, it can then create some of those interfaces. I actually look at this much more positively than others. I think you are now democratizing the ability to automate work that humans aren't designed to do to begin with. We're not designed to do manual repetitive tasks. We are creative. We are logical. We're designed to do bigger things. And we're bringing essentially the means of production down to average people. And so it basically up-levels everyone in terms of productivity, because now with us, an individual user can automate parts of their work and have a lot better insights into making decisions day-to-day. A developer can automate their baseline code so that they can think about more creative code and operate much faster. And I look at it the same way with IT teams. There are so many other problems that they need to solve day in and day out that managing RPA bots was not a good use of their time. That's a very frequent complaint. So now we're enabling them to think through bigger IT challenges that they may have. How should they deploy new technologies in their business? How do they make sure their business is prepared for the future? So to me, it it upskills essentially everyone, which is really exciting.
0: We may still need systems of record, but all these quote unquote systems of collaboration that we've been trying to build from the ground up the last decade or so, could just become highly automated if I understood you
1: correctly. Yeah, that'd be correct. So essentially automation and Cognito's, uh, that's what RPA tried to do and did to some extent, right? Is it that connective tissue between different applications which enables data to go back and forth and across all of your different applications. Uh, we do it all through API. We think that's much uh, a much better approach than screen scraping or anything like that.
0: All right, so ultimately, how smart can smart get? Because these things about these AI platforms is they get smarter at a faster rate than we do. So what comes next?
1: Yeah, so this brings up like a very interesting concept that's starting to be debated in um, around generative AI, around chat GPT, around AI in general, is how do you use AI in the enterprise in a way that you can trust? Right. With a person, you're able to interact and, and then develop trust with that individual. But you have to be able to do the same with AI. It's going to get very, very smart. It's going to supersede, I think, our intelligence and time. However, if you intentionally design the systems to where the human is always in control, there's ways to manage it and to utilize it, something that's more powerful than you. And we've been doing that with machines for a long time that are much more powerful uh, than us. So we make it to where AI uh, with Cognitos, you tell it what you want to do, it populates how it would automate, but ultimately you have the control over running that automation. Likewise, everything that's been done, you can read in English, so you have full audit records, you can go back and change things. AI that's in a black box, which is where I get a little bit nervous about some of the other applications of generative AI, uh, you can't really use in the enterprise because in the enterprise, you need high levels of consistency and you have to be in control.
0: All right, folks, a wise man once said the future's here. It's just unevenly distributed. Hey, Drayton, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. And thank you all for watching the latest episode of the Digital CXO Leadership Insights Series. I'm your host, Mike Bazard. You can find this episode and others on the DigitalCXO.com website. We invite you to check them all out. And once again, thanks for watching. Thanks.